in their training we will soon be ready to make the jump to the real scanner Doo -doo -doo -doo. although the mock head coil and tube were good fax <laughs> facsimiles <laughs> facsimile facsimile <laughs> facsimile <laughs> I like to butcher words very well. So, what we're going to do is then go and check out how they correctly spell it. <laughs> I mean, say it. You know, the drone voice, right? It's actually a real people. But there you go. It always helps. Facsimile. You hear? Yep. So, there you go. Facsimile. Facsimile. Facsimile? Facsimile. And that's how I get confused. <laughs> Oh no, do it in six languages or four or three and it's a fucking mess but it's fun I think anyway because it keeps your mind working right so it doesn't matter if you fuck up it's the fact that you're doing it and makes the difference so don't make your lack of skill stop you from still trying because your brain gets better it's not true that it gets worse with age it's just um, usage or not usage believing that you're getting older or believing that you know the science actually has proven that it's not true so it's about usage so use it so facsimile <laughs> facsimile of the MRI they were in the real scene there was no way to simulate the smell and sounds of the hospital, for instance. We wouldn't know how the dogs would react until we actually brought them there. The initial introduction to the real MRI would be critical. Dogs can form negative imprints of environments based on one event, a loud noise such as a slamming door, an encounter with someone who doesn't like dogs. Any of this could permanently affect a dog's impression of the MRI. If that happened, the dog didn't want to go near the scanner as a result. All the training we'd done would have been wasted. Well, he could have tried surrogate tapping on, you know, how he felt about the dog's behavior. 
and he could have used ESP to picture the dog behaving the way he wanted but you know that's a problem with a lot of people they only see what they want to see we all are similar in that way but the difference is some have a way wider view in that way while others have a Peter Lish and uh, they see the whole world through that thing and it's not even fault it's just more lack of experience of anything else and then close-mindedness over time I guess which we all have experienced so again um, you know if you want to take offense to what people say go ahead but in instances like this but there is no offense to be taken it's just <clears throat> just another point of view as everything else I talk about and um, you know we all have our own uh, limits it's just for me it's a lot harder to accept limits from people who because of their idiotic degrees declare they're worth more than other people and behave in such a way I tend to be much less understanding toward them because I've been burned by them and also because they are the ones who are you know proclaiming shit and then they can't even do it so I don't really care much about all this BS you know facade to me what matters is <laughs> what's in the pudding I don't care all the blah blah you tell me about the pudding what is really in the pudding <laughs> and how was it really made that's what I care about the rest is nice and all and I enjoy it absolutely but I think we first need to look at the important stuff so anyway because um, I always digress in this and that as usual whenever I read this stuff it makes me think about a lot of other things but the whole point was that he wouldn't think about using tapping in this situation and it could be very very helpful Mark and I were particularly concerned about noise. The MRI scanner makes a wide range of sounds. The magnetic field is always on, and this requires constant tending by an array of devices, like the pumps that circulate chilled water around the magnet. When you enter the room, the first thing you hear is the heartbeat of the circulation pumps. If you listen carefully, you will also hear the machine breathing, the sound of the cold head. A compressor that keeps the helium under pressure. <laughs> it sounds like a bomb, guys, to me. How would the dogs react to this living machine? When scanning a subject, MRIs are loud. Depending on the particular settings, an MRI can reach nearly a hundred decibels. Every six decibels means a doubling in the sound pressure. Normal conversation is about 60 decibels. Busy traffic, 80 or 90. <laughs> Jeez. It's insane. I'm just imagining it, I would go I would go nuts. A jackhammer is a hundred. 
Hearing damage for human begins at around 120 decibels, equivalent to a jet engine at 100 meters. Nobody knows at what level hearing damage occurs in dogs, but one point of reference is hunting. The report of hunting caliber bullet is 170 decibels, and hearing loss after repeated gunshots exposure is a well-known phenomenon in both hunting and military working dogs. Earmuffs can cut sound levels by 20 or even 30 decibels. So assuming that a dog's hearing is more sensitive than that of a human, Cully and Mackenzie would be fine as long as they wore ear protection. Please stop. Let her in. Fru-fru. She's trying to stop the little dog from coming in. Hey, come on. Don't make me come there. Don't make me come there. See, because... They're learning, right? Like she, she's being the guard dog at the door now. Good dog. Good dog. Good girl, Fro. Good girl. Good puppies. Oh, now she's going to the bedroom. She's like, screw you. You did this to me. So the loudness of the MRI wasn't the whole story, though. The type of sound made could also have a big effect on the dogs. The MRI makes different types of sounds depending on the type of brain scan being performed. Some scans sound like a swarm of bees, while other scans are like the klaxon of a submarine preparing to dive. The specific sound depends on dozens of parameters that are programmed for each scan. These parameters indicate how many slices through the brain will be made, how thick they will be, and whether they should focus on gray matter, the neurons, or white matter, the connections between neurons, or on changes in blood flow, like we do in F. MRI. <laughs> it's kind of funny. The only way to get an accurate recording of the sounds the dogs would experience during their scans would be to program the actual scan sequence with the exact parameters necessary to scan the dog's brains. But since nobody has scanned a dog's brain before, at least not with fMRI, when I say fMRI, I see my name, that's why I always say it's interesting. It's uh, very, it's the start and end letters, so it's um, pretty funny for me when I see it, it's like, oh, can be reduced in four letters. We have no idea what the correct, maybe I should have used that as a nickname. <laughs> okay, but since nobody had scanned a dog's brain before, at least not with fMRI, we had no idea what the correct settings might be. With a dog in the scanner, we could figure out the correct settings, but we needed the right settings in order to record the sounds 
to train him to get him into the scanner in the first place. I felt like a dog chasing his tail. At lab meeting, I brought up the conundrum. What if you use the standard human settings to record the scanner noise, Lisa suggested. It might be good enough, I said, but what if it isn't? I bet the dogs could tell the difference, Andrew said. If we train them with the wrong sounds, they might freak out when they hear the real thing. Hi, I'm hearing mice running around. We need a standing, I said. Something that can take the place of the dog while we fiddle with the scanner settings. Lisa's forehead knitted up in thought. Everyone else looked at the floor. Before anyone suggested it, I headed off the obvious. We're not using a dead dog. Why not? Why don't you just go to the supermarket and buy a steak and scan that? Gavin joked. You mean like the famous dead salmon study? Andrew asked. A few years before, neuroscientists had used fMRI to scan a salmon purchased at a local fish market. As they wrote in their findings, the fish was not alive at the time of scanning. They presented their results at the conference, but most scientists dismissed it as a joke. It wasn't. The point was to measure the accuracy of fMRI and how the technique could sometimes lead to the appearance of brain activations that weren't actually there. Obviously, a dead salmon couldn't have brain activation, but the scientists showed that with poor statistical technique, it might appear that way. Gavin's joke wasn't half bad, but a steak or a salmon would be a lousy stand-in for a dog. We need something more dog-like, I said. A pig? Gavin said, too big. How about a lamb? Andrew suggested. Can you buy a whole lamb at the market? I wondered. I mean, it doesn't even, you know, get to them that, oh my god, it's another animal with feelings. No, because they were told they're not. And this is where you see these people, you know, don't stop and actually really check in with themselves. They're just totally led by their ego and their, you know, control mind and how they feel superior to these animals and how these are socially accepted things so it must be okay you know it's absurd to anyone who questions most things i just question things like everybody else does who is a free thinker and wonders about stuff you know like why is it in this way and not that way <laughs> it's not evident i'm sorry but it is what it is. Just wanted to throw that in there. And again, it's not a judgment. It's just an observation. If you take it as a judgment, well, you know what? If you are going to take a life and you don't own up to it, and then you try and come across as someone who's caring, I'm not the one who's a poser. So I don't see why you're pissed at me. Yeah? Get a grip. And if you're gonna be that way, at least own it. So we can have a real conversation. After a few phone calls to some local butchers, Andrew found a lead. It wasn't a whole lamb. 
You needed to get that directly from a farm, but there was a market that might sell us a lamb's head. Oh, even better, animal lector. Just different version. <clears throat> I think he said they get their delivery of lamb heads on Wednesdays. Andrew explained. I'm not completely sure because I couldn't understand some of what he was saying. But he definitely said they got fast. Today is Wednesday, he pointed out. Giddy up. The halal meat market had no sign. The market consisted of a counter at the rear of a convenience store, itself sandwiched in a round-down strip mall and sharing a wall with a video store specializing in bottled Middle Eastern movies. Bottled. Oh, okay. So it's a bootlegged. I totally read that completely wrong, and now I see it. Um, but it's um, made, distributed, or sold illegally. See, I'm so. <laughs> I am really <laughs> into the illegal stuff. Can you tell? <clears throat> That's why I was wondering if anyone knew how to get into the black market because. Um, I would just, I never had idea of most of the shit and, you know, other than as anyone else, um, you know, you hear it exists, but I just like to see things, right? And, um, there's so many people talking about this stuff, but you never see any evidence, right? And of course, nobody will ever come forward because most people, if they do it, they don't want to know right and so forth so it's always the million dollar question you know why can't we see this stuff it's out there why can't we access it when everybody else seems to be able to <laughs> you know who does bad shit you know the people who don't do bad shit oh we're always cut out you know it's crap and um, anyway but don't ask those questions it's like why I'm not doing anything bad I'm just saying, you claim it exists, show it to us. Uh, give me the proof. Because to me, it's just talk, you know, if I don't see the shit. And then, even like, what they say, how do I know it's true? Right? So, how do I know it's good or bad? Just, just to put it out there, right? Andrew and I walked in to find a trio of bearded men hanging out at the cash register, smoking cigarettes and watching soccer on TV. They said nothing as we made our way to the rear of the store. I noticed some elaborate water pipes on display. <laughs> water pipes. <laughs> Is he talking about bunks? At the butcher's counter, A spread of organ meats. Yeah, I know they also have the other one, the hookahs kinds, right? They use this uh, flavored tobacco and stuff. <laughs> you need a lot of lungs, though, for those big ones. At the butcher's counters, a spread of organ meats glistened beneath the glass case. Kidneys, I recognize. The rest, not so much. The animals of origin were a mystery to me, too. 
A squat guy wearing a tight soccer jersey peered over the counter. You guys call about lambhead? He asked in a Middle Eastern accent. Yes. How many you want? Andrew and I looked at each other. How many do you have? I replied. Lots. We conferred briefly and decided that we should have a backup in case something went wrong. Two, I said. The butcher disappeared through a doorway covered with vinyl slats. A moment later, he returned and deposited two heads on the counter with an, an authoritative... Authority... I can't say this word. Authoritative clank. They're frozen, I said. Yes, said the butcher, fresh frozen. <laughs> That's right, it's uh, to speak. <laughs> they bore resemblance to a lamb, but as all the wool had been removed, it was hard to tell what they were. The lips had retracted a bit, and the faces were fixed in permanent grimaces. The size was right, I had to admit. In fact, they were about the same size as Lear's head. I shivered and pushed that unpleasant image out of my mind. Oh, so he's starting to make a connection. Poor thing, right? He's so out of his heart centered. That <laughs> and they do that to men, it's true. That is very true. I saw a video by the alchemist today on YouTube. And she was talking about that, it was from yesterday, I think. And she was talking about that, how men are out of their uh, heart center and women um, are out of their throat center because of all the abuse women have received through, you know, through the various, um, yo, through the various things that uh, have gone on in the years. Anyway. I just thought it was pretty funny. He finally made the connection. Where is the rest of the lamb? I asked. Just head, he replied. Do they still have their brains? The butcher brought his fingers to his mouth in the sign known to foodies around the world and said, yes, delicacy. Ideally, we would have gotten a, law, a whole lamb to stand in for a dog. Anything you put inside an MRI disturbs the magnetic field. The bigger the object, the greater the disturbance. And as the scanner compensates for these disturbances, it makes different kinds of sounds. The lamb's head was not going to have enough mass to replicate the disturbance created by a dog. We needed something else. Andrew pointed to a pair of hoofs in the butcher's case. They appear to be the front legs of a calf starting just above the ankle joint. This is a fucking nightmare, honestly, in a way to read. It's like, do these people not have a fucking heart? Fuck. I honestly don't know. Yeah, check it out. In the actual MRI, the dogs would be scanned in a sphinx position. Their heads would be upright, supported by a chin rest, and their front paws would be sticking straight forward. Andrew realized we could use the calf hooves to stimulate the front paws of the dog. The combination would give a close approximation to the shape and mass of the part of the dog that would be at the center of the scanner.
We paid for our meats and headed back to the lab with two lamb heads and a pair of calf hooves. The vegetarians in the lab weren't going to be happy. And no, like anybody with a heart wouldn't be happy. We let the heads thaw overnight and reserved time on the MRI scanner for the following evening. Scanning dead animal parts in the MRI is the kind of thing best done discreetly. Once thawed, the heads now swimming their own juices looked even worse. Their eyes had taken an opaque haze. Andrew and I double-bagged everything and headed to the scanner. <sighs> this is so gross. We were greeted by Lei Hao, a Chinese postdoc on duty that evening. Lei had received his PhD in physics and was intimately familiar with the technical wizardry behind MRI. His English, however, had a ways to go. I could only hope that we understood each other during this unusual procedure. <laughs> He does look like a pretty boy too in the picture, so yep, it all fits right. Lay and Andrew preparing to scan the lamb said, so those are the people in the picture. Buy the book and you will see the picture. Andrew unloaded our cargo and we proceeded to arrange it in the head coil of the scanner. With foam pads propping up the body parts, Lay snapped on the top of the coil and sent the whole mass into the center of the scanner. When you place something in the MRI, the magnetic field tugs on the atoms inside the object. In living tissue, or as in the case of the lamb's head, formerly living tissue, hydrogen is the most common atom. There are two hydrogen atoms in every water molecule, and water accounts for 60% of body weight in humans. Hydrogen is also abundant in the brain. The outer membranes of neurons and their supporting cells, called glia. I think I'm saying it right, but just to make sure, because I'm a WAP. <laughs> yeah, it's like glia, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Glee, you know, that uh, show. It's just funny. <laughs> anyway, called Glia, a rich in fat and cholesterol, which have large numbers of hydrogen atoms. That's why I like it so much, eh? fat and cholesterol. A hydrogen atom has one proton and one electron. The proton is like a spin spinning top. Normally, the proton spins in random directions, but inside the MRI, they line up with the magnetic field. Like spinning tops, the protons also wobble a little bit. The stronger the magnetic field, the faster they wobble. If you hit the protons with radio waves exactly in sync with their wobbling, the protons jump into a higher energy state. This is called magnetic resonance. It's kind of like what you do with voice. <laughs> different types of atoms resonate at different frequencies. For the strengths of scanner we use, 
hydrogen resonates at 127 megahertz which falls in the range of radio waves just beyond sorry just give me a second It just being stupid right now. Just beyond the FM dial. Carbon, carbon, sorry, another common element in the body resonates at 32 megahertz. So <laughs> hydrogen and 127 megahertz and carbon at 32 megahertz. Just keep that in mind. It's like a lot of difference. MRI works by sending in a blast of radio waves that excite the atom of interest, in most cases hydrogen, because of its abundance and superior sensitivity to magnetic fields. When the radio waves are turned off, the protons relax back to their original state and in the process cause an oscillating magnetic field that can be picked up by an antenna. The head coil is nothing more than a fancy FM radio antenna that picks up these signals from the protons in the brain. Not all protons behave the same way. The protons in a water molecule wobble slightly different from the protons in a fat molecule. These slight differences can be detected by the MRI and, with the help of a computer, be used to construct a visual image representing the types and locations of these different molecules. We would need to, to do three types of scans on each subject. The localizer, which lasts only a few seconds, gives a snapshot of the location and orientation of the head in the magnet. The localizer scan of the lamb's head came out well. We could clearly make out the brain. The human settings for the localizers seemed to work. Next up was the structural image for humans. I'm hearing stuff but I don't know where it comes from. They're rummaging through something. My friends, my not so welcome hosts or guests i should say even though they think they're my hosts because they've probably been here in this house for longer <laughs> i'm sorry about all these distractions today but it all makes it more interesting <laughs> but this has to be weighed against the time it takes to get high resolution images so they like as much anatomical detail as possible. But it takes longer. It's kind of like in a computer where you have more or less pixels in an image. It takes longer to load and stuff like that. Or video quality, sound quality, same stuff. Images clear enough to resolve features as small as one millimeter take six minutes to complete. Holy crap. Humans have no problem holding still for that long, but there, there was no way our dogs would. I told Lei that we needed to come up with a structural sequence that would take no more than 30 seconds. 
I figured that would be the limit for most dogs. This turned out to be somewhat difficult. The normal structural scans couldn't be completed that quickly, so we had to switch to a different type of scan. I'm not sure what that noise is either, guys. Weird. Oh well. <laughs> it's all I to make it spookier for you. <laughs> This one didn't show as much detail, but we were able to find a combination of parameters that produce a usable image in under 30 seconds. We spent an awful lot of time figuring out the best orientation of the brain. If you think of the MRI as being a digital bread slicer, we had to decide which way to cut the slices, left to right, top to bottom, or front to back. Since the human head is pretty close to a sphere, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference which way you slice it. But a dog's head, like the lamb's, is elongated front to back and generally pretty flat from top to bottom. As the images of the lamb's head came up on the screen, we saw how little of the head was actually occupied by brain. Most of it was nose and muscle. Those air pockets in the nose can wreak havoc with the MRI images too. Abrupt transitions in tissue density, such as going from air to skull, cause distortion in the magnetic field, this result in warped images. By carefully selecting the orientation of the slices, you can minimize this effect. Slicing from front to back seemed to give us the best results. Okay, I give him credit. This is actually interesting to know. Anatomical images of the lamb's head. The slices go from front to back. Yeah, you can see, like, it looks pretty. I mean, the eyes are like, Jesus Christ. It looks like a freaking Annabelle Lecter section. <laughs> it's true. The eyeballs are visible in the top row, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> While the brain appears prominently in the middle and lower rows, the large black cavities are nasal sinuses. Oh, okay, that's what I was wondering, what the hell? Finally, it was time to attempt some <laughs> functional scans, which are two-second glimpses of the brain in action. By continuously acquiring these functional scans while the subject does something, we can measure changes in brain activity. Think of the functional scans as the individual frames of a movie. Even though each one takes only two seconds, the subject might be in the scanner for half an hour during functional scanning. During such a session, we would acquire 900 functional images at a rate of 30 scans a minute for 30 minutes. Holy crap. That's a lot of tonalize after, eh? Unless they have some program, obviously. Of course, the lamb was dead, so we didn't expect to see much activation, but we only needed to figure out how many sliced, slices it, it took to cover the brain and how to orient the brain for the most efficient coverage. Once we worked that out, 
Andrew and I recorded the sounds of the scanner running the sequence. We will now introduce Kali and Mackenzie to the actual noise they would experience in the scanner and gradually let them get used to it. Can you imagine? And that's that's the end of it. That's the end of that chapter with shenanigans. But that's pretty funny actually. Like I, I like when they explain the technical stuff of how it works because I always am interested in that. I just feel like, you know, most of this book has been focused on getting there and then maybe the result is just a second, you know, um, sentence and that's why. So these mics are picking up a lot of noise coming from the unwanted uh, mice guests that are in this house always and constantly go around everywhere looking for the dog's food and anything that you leave outside so nothing is ever left outside but they, they chew through anything it's unbelievable they are cute but i really want them out of my house and uh we cannot have cats so because my roommate is allergic so the dogs are not doing the job that, that crazy cats would. Yeah, so that's where we are right now. But that's okay. I don't know who's making noise outside, but someone is making a lot of noise outside. They're raking, raking something or washing their truck that they never use. That every now and then they come and wash it's pretty funny actually <laughs> maybe it's their exercise i only clean when i need to clean i don't know but i get it i haven't cleaned my car since it has been parked out there because it's gonna get dirty in about a second there's no point so she's she's sleeping right here next to me She's such a cutie. She's a beautiful little girl. She truly is. Oh yeah. And very cute. Ciao. Come here. Pushita. Oh. She's a cute. How are you? They do have a pretty, you know. Yeah, mouse house ASMR. I should use it in the title, right? At night, you hear them like last night. I hear a big thump. I was in bed, and I didn't realize they knocked over my soup bowl. Uh, my soup. No bowl, um, pot, and the top was on the floor. It could have broken. They are so so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when Disney gets it, you know they're gonna put in some pedophilia <laughs> messages, as they always do. I used to have all their, their 
when I was in Italy, I always liked to watch them because I like cartoons, I like drawings, right? But then as I was aging, as I and became here, I still like, but I could see, I could see the, the subliminal messages hidden and it was bothering me and so I stopped watching them. And then, you know, there are people who make it their job to expose this stuff and so when I was watching this stuff I was like, oh yeah, it's true, like I stopped watching them because they were not as child friendly as they want. Like most of this stuff anyway is designed to make the children be brainwashed, right? At least my mom did that, she, she would sit with us. You know, when we watch TV and explain to us they were all lies and, you know, she didn't let us, I mean, ultimately we should have never just been watching that stuff. I mean, if you tap, it's fine. You're seeing through the bullshit, but, you know, it's, it's such programming, right? On every level, it's absurd. And they get them very young. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, you know. At some point, if you are someone who is not asleep, you will see through it. A part of you will absolutely resonate very hard and you cannot ignore it. And your actions will reflect that even though maybe your conscious mind is not aware of the fact that you stop watching it because, you know. So even if I had a chance, I wouldn't really watch a lot of it because it was... You know, I used them a lot when I was learning English because I, you know, we got the English version version when we were traveling and in Italy we had the Italian version. So I would watch them both and it was very helpful when you're learning languages, but yeah, if I had kids, I would definitely watch them together with them and uh, guide them through things it's the only way anyway i should stop that session of um this book and we'll go back to the next one